1: There are countless examples of Bob Pompiani's uh, generosity, and proof that he's one of the not only one of the most successful broadcasters in Pittsburgh sports history, but also just one of the best people. And Monday's Cook and Joe show is another fine example of that, because Bob, he was like, he was like the Mario Lemieux of that show. The amount of assists that he was handing out uh, to Joe to get the guests on the air to make cook happy so many of them bob made possible ben ralthusberger bob was the guy that brokered that for ron to have that big ben reunion on the show monday after those guys did their radio show together for so long so in this very festive celebratory week for ron uh, bob deserves acknowledgement for the job and the role that he played in all of that here here Bob, thank you for doing that for Ron. How long do you guys go back? When did you first meet Ron Cook?
2: Well, first of all, I should tell you guys that it was easy for all everyone I talked to when I talked to him, and Joe will tell you the same thing. He reached out to a lot of people. So, if you know, if if you had a dealing with Ron as a professional athlete, uh, in 99% of the cases they were good, and, and they remember that. So I think that was easy. I go back to Ron, man. We go back to Beaver County days, actually. So he was with the Beaver County Times. I was doing some stuff on WMBA and WBVP, which are two radio stations out there. And I got to know a little old, bit, Bob? but not Give as well as I for did. Bob. What's How old that? were
1: you at that point? Where were you? In, where were you in life at that point? How old were we? Talking no, about?
2: I was late teenager, you know, into early twenties. Actually, before that, just probably to eighteen. Well, late I was a teenager, teenager in imag- high school.
0: Bob, I'm Man. trying to imagine a late teenage year's Andrew Filipponi holding down a regular job at a real radio station. No. Not, not succeeding in imagining that, actually.
1: No. <laughs> I was well, if I showed sure you some of the shenanigans of we were there, up to Bob. back
2: then, you wouldn't believe it because we had some fun times. There's no doubt about it.
1: Uh, when you think of Ron, what's the first thing that pops into your head? Not, I, I phrase that like he's dead. He's not. He's just retiring. But when you think of Ron, what are the memories or what are the things about him that immediately spring to mind?
2: Well, number one, very, very meticulous, very thorough, very researched—a man who was—he put his job above just about everything, you know, except family. But I'm talking about just the the willingness to do stuff, uh, the amount of time he put into it, knowing that he paced a lot, he ruined a lot of rugs all throughout Western Pennsylvania and now Pittsburgh by pacing as much as he did. But he was always, you know, and and I always compliment him. I wish I would have done this. Uh, he kept the diary of every day of his life on this job. He has he, – talk about book potential there. But um, I would have liked to have done that. I do that through pictures. I wish I would have written it down because I think that's a great thing to do. So very meticulous in everything he did, uh, very responsible in everything he did, and he didn't mind if he was going to ruffle some feathers as long as he was true to what he believed.
0: I'm just imagining the day that diary said, first day with Joe Starkey, and then the pen just like looks like the pressure is through the roof and it's just a scribble <laughs> of nothingness. It's just like angry curse words written down. I mean,
1: what is in that diary? Do you think Ron would write, Saturday, February 12th, 1989, had horrible diarrhea today, couldn't get out of the bathroom? I <laughs> want-
0: Do you know what I mean? <laughs> trying to finish yeah. column on Mario Lemieux, can't get rid of the runs. <laughs> <laughs> how did Lemieux play with a bad – how did Mario play with a bad back? Uh, Bob,
2: yeah. you also talked – That would talked- be talk- if that were the case, and I don't discount I it. you know, I mean, we've all had those I issues where – personal. <laughs> but yep. I, don't, I think it was all professional stuff in there, from what I can tell.
1: Uh, Bob, you talked to Art Rooney, too, this week. We played the clips. You did such a masterful job there of uh, prying good information out of Art, getting him to well, thank uh, you, Bobby. relax a little bit. Yep. Uh, give me your biggest takeaway from that conversation.
2: Um, you know, just Art's belief that it's time. It's he's You know, it's time. And also, I mean, I think when you think of him – his commitment to Pittsburgh is pretty, pretty amazing. Um, you know, the whole family, it's rare in sports these days that you get a family that's so committed to one team, one area. Um, and he is, and he, he we were talking a lot about the draft potential and all the work they have to do to get the NFL draft or what kind of economic boom, I would bet that it is probably going to be if they get it. And I think they will actually, I'm pretty optimistic there that, um, in four days, you're going to bring in more money than ever before in the city of Pittsburgh. So, Hopefully that will happen for for not just sports fans around here, but for the city. It needs as much as it can get, and I think that's a great way. But, I mean, he's worked tirelessly on that. and uh, I came away thinking that that guy really has done everything he can to try to make this possible, and it takes time.
0: Bob, did you come away from your talk with Art? You know, you, you kind of can read the person every year. You see him in this setting every year. Did you come away feeling like there was, not just in words, but that your sense of the man was that there's a bit greater urgency? I don't want to, I hesitate to use the words annoyance or frustration, but that now seven years without a playoff win is wearing on him the way it seems to be wearing on most of the people who probably listen to this station and, and you know, consume what this team does during football season?
2: Yeah, I do. Yes, I do. I think it's, You know, and and the one thing about them, I mean, people in today's sports genre, they want things done quickly, change quickly. That's just not what they do. They'll make changes that they think can help them. Some people will say they don't make enough. Listen, the bottom line is uh, stability, for the most part, has been a good thing for them. But they also know that it's time. You know, it's one thing to be competitive all the way into the end of the season, but it's another thing uh, to restore that standard to get into the postseason, not just get in there, but move you know, all the way through if you can. It's hard to do, but, you know, they have they feel like they've been in position before, but they failed in those games. And, and not only failed, but they got wiped out of most of those playoff games. So I think that's part of the urgency that he talks about. They need to take that next step and make that step last longer.
1: Bob, coming up, Malsey is going to rank his top five Super Bowl foods. What is number one for you, and what is the drink of choice on Super Bowl Sunday when you know you're not working and you have the day off?
2: Well, even when I am working, I don't make exceptions for that, you know. <laughs> um, French martini. I mean, I, that's not going to be your typical. I just like to drink a lot. I like wine. I, I, I can drink beer, but I, I'd rather go in that direction. So that that's probably a very unusual take for someone who's sitting there watching. But, I mean, you can't be, beat wings. Um, I'm a big brisket guy. I like that. Um, you know, my mother used to make a thing called city chicken. Did you guys ever have that?
1: Yes. Oh, yeah, definitely.
2: And it was Man, I didn't appreciate and, and that
0: till I was much older in life. I thought that was so disgusting, Bob. And then one day I realized, what have I been missing all these years?
2: No, no question. I mean, that was when, whenever we had Super Bowl Sunday parties. She made that, a lot of pierogies, all those standard things. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'll eat anything, to be honest with you. I like food, period.
0: <laughs> Bob. Have. We didn't get a chance to do this because we were way over time yesterday. I'm going to take 30 seconds. I want you to listen very carefully, okay? Stephen A. Smith, you know what's coming here. He answered this question on one of his little podcasts that he does. You are in an arena with 50 hawks, 10 crocodiles, 3 brown bears, 15 wolves, 1 human hunter with a rifle, 7 cape buffalo, 10,000 rats, 5 gorillas, and 4 lions. Pick two of those groupings to protect you. While the others try to attack you, you need to survive for one hour.
2: Well, I heard what he said about the rats. I'm not going to go. 10,000 rats is a lot of rats. And I don't know what rats are capable of doing, but they could be an annoyance to all those bigger creatures. I'll take the lions, number one. And I'm, and now this is a land situation, so I don't know how crocodiles yes. will, will. So I may discount them. I think I'm going to take the buffalo and the lions.
0: Okay. All right. He took the rats and the and the Lions, but I'm glad you're your own man. 7K 10, Buffalo and four rats Lions. rats a lot of
2: rats, though. I mean, it is a
0: ton of rats.
2: You talk about I an offensive line. I stepped on a line. dead
1: rat outside of the Raven Stadium once. It was their way of saying welcome <laughs> to Baltimore. All right, Bob. Good stuff. We'll talk to you next week. All right,
2: guys. Week. Have a good day. T-Mobile has
1: invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours